Welcome or welcome back to The Bicultural Identity, a podcast created from the experiences unique to young Asians raised in a Western society. We're your hosts, Connie and Jenny. Our weekly episodes contain conversations around social issues, pop culture topics, and nostalgic childhood memories that are significant in our lives as second-gen Canadians. We are back from our break, guys. Did you miss us? I did. You missed our listeners, Jenny? Wow. No, she I ne- missed me. <laughs> I was going to say she's hardly ever like affectionate with anyone, so I was surprised Self-love. that she was going to say she missed you guys. Wow. BTS taught you well. Uh, What? <laughs> I'm joking. What, what did you say? Sp- stream butter? Oh. <laughs> True, guys. Stream butter. I was Is going that a to- thing? Do people still stream? Like yes, BTS they do. Okay. I was going to like recommend butter of my recommendations, but I was like, why would I even bother? Like everyone knows about them. True. <laughs> okay, back on track. So first episode back, Jenny's going to take over for most of this episode because it is based on one of the projects she did for <laughs> the course she's currently taking. Maybe you can explain a bit more about it, Jenny. Do you know when you like put so much effort into a term paper and then you submit it and it's so anticlimactic? Uh, sort of. I definitely know that feeling. Like, that happened with my honors thesis. Yeah. So now I'm forcing everyone to listen to it. <laughs> it's more interesting than it sounds. I hope it's more interesting because I personally believe AI is pretty interesting, even though it's so, such a buzzword now. Yeah. So the topic is AI, Jenny? It's um AI and social media and specifically how it, it led to the rise of TikTok, which is where we get that bicultural element on mm-hmm. how, like... Because it started um, from Douyin, right? Right, like how, like, a Chinese or an Asian company kind of disrupted the entire social media market. Mm-hmm, that's so interesting. Mm-hmm, okay. Yeah, like, how did you want to structure this? So, let me read. I'm going to post my paper publicly on our blog. Really? And then any, like, crazy person can go read it for fun. I don't yeah. know why you would, but you can. So... Basically, there's five topics here. Um, I can skim over the first few that are just very basic levels of understanding for all of us. The first two are where AI and social media first met, and then uh, the concept of social media marketing. And then basically, like, the next three are more few... Oh my god, I can't speak (laughs) forward-looking, which is how social media firms are slowly becoming AI companies, and then the, the specific areas of how TikTok is dominating, mm-hmm. and then finally, what this means on an ethical perspective. Ooh, I'm excited to delve into this. Nice. I'll give the first two in a crash course right now, and then maybe, Connie, you can give some thoughts, because okay, sure. I think this is well understood by most people, but just not in like this language. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So um, when AI first started in social media, basically, there's like this whole concept of how AI has been around forever. If you studied AI, you always hear that, like, oh, it's been around since the 90s, the 80s, but nobody knew how to use it. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and then <laughs> um, it all started becoming more commercial and mainstream when, like, especially when Apple started using it for Siri, right? Like that yeah, voice yeah. assistance kind of thing in 2011. And then when it went into social media, people started looking at using it for advertising. So how can Facebook kind of tailor their ads, for example, to the best audience so that Mm -hmm. they can earn more from the companies that are paying Facebook by how many people click on their ads, right? right? Mm -hmm. Um, The second one is image recognition. So there's different portions of this. If you're thinking about like the 2000s, Facebook let you tag your friends faces Uh, and photos and that was like the (laughs) core social media Mm -hmm. like you just took stupid photos and tagged your friends in it those are good times yeah Uh, snapchat filters also fall into that because they have to kind of you know find your face to put the filter on it but the the first one that was addressed in my paper is around 
cropping. So like this one's a lot more interesting. They use something cropping. called sealing. Yeah, they use something called saliency detectors, which um, act like human eyesight. And they try to find the core subject or what your eyes would focus on in a photo. And if you think about like a Twitter timeline, they always frame the photo at exactly where you kind of want it to be. Or most of the time they don't. Okay, this is a complete side note. But have you ever seen that TikTok that tested different races using that? twitter cropping thing so like it would always focus in on the white person's face have you seen Mm -hmm. that so that's a very very prevalent problem in the ai society Mm -hmm. or ai industry um there's like one common common issue is that specifically dark-skinned women Mm -hmm. like an ai program will always miss mislabel their sex like they just so they can't handle it so do they like base you know their template human face on like your caucasian male or something and exactly so So, like a darker skinned female is like the complete opposite of that i guess mm -hmm. so like it depends on how much like what photos you're putting in to train your ai right and Mm -hmm. i guess like they don't even think about their internal biases of course um when they like load photos into the model to train it so yeah that's a really good point connie oh thank you (laughs) that sucks (laughs) <laughs> yeah. I wonder what category, like, us beige people fall into. Hmm. I think, like, we're not as favored by AI, but I don't think we're also done as dirty as, mm-hmm. like, black women, per se. That's true. Yeah. Okay. So moving on from that, continuing down my crash course, people have done really cool things with this image recognition. Pinterest, like, partners with businesses sometimes, like a furniture company, Um, that I talk about in this paper and people were able to copy and paste their Pinterest board link into this furniture company's little AI uh, widget Mm -hmm. and using the photos they saved on that their Pinterest board the furniture company would recommend them furniture from their store that would fit their aesthetic oh that's pretty cool yeah Mm -hmm. there's cool stuff it's all capitalism but it's cool (laughs) (laughs) but that's the world nowadays yes the third one, I'm going to go faster. I don't want to use too much time. Sure. Um, the third one is increased conversion rates. So this is like if you visit a site, they can get chatbots or like they can just better understand you and like basically make the experience really seamless. So you want to continue interacting with their brands um, mm-hmm. and you're more likely to become someone who's interested into someone who is buying from them. Right. OK, I see. And then fourth is content curation. This one is pretty self-explanatory. It's showing you what you want to see, you know, when you want to see it. Mm-hmm. And I think LinkedIn is a really interesting example of this because they expand your professional network by suggesting who you might know, um, but they also help companies in turn filter out unqualified candidates, <laughs> which is terrifying because, you know, we're but not on the it... recruiting side. So. But don't um, most social media platforms use a form of that? Like you always get suggested followers or suggested following. Yeah, so that's why I think LinkedIn is interesting because they also provide like that company side or that brand side where okay, they see. draw insight from your profile and they can tell the company whether you're suitable or not suitable for their job postings. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and then like you're saying, so most social media sites, and we'll get into this more with TikTok, most social media sites recommend you who you might know based on who you already know. So like they don't really focus a lot on your unique profile, if that makes sense. They look at your web of relationships and they make inferences from the people you know, if that makes sense. Oh, that sounds way more accurate, to be honest. Yeah, so it's interesting. Mm -hmm. We'll come back to that. Okay, cool. 
Um, I'm kind of going to skip over the social media marketing one. There's like a few companies I talk about in there that are just doing really cool things in marketing, mm-hmm. um, but it's but not really less cultural. Yeah. And uh, to be honest, this was my least favorite part of the paper. <laughs> <laughs> now your prof, if they listen, will know. Uh-oh. <laughs> Guys, I got a 91% on this, okay? It's pretty damn high. <laughs> pretty damn high. Says the medical student who's like 99 or nothing. No. Or nothing. <laughs> like for papers, though, like it's hard to get really, really high <laughs> grades. So I think that's really high. I would be happy with that, too. All right. So let's branch <laughs> into America versus China. Because I think the way I said that, I think those two are the biggest players in AI. For sure. Yeah. In the world, actually. What do you know right now about it, Connie? Honestly, like, because I've never really learned about this stuff, I didn't really know there's much of a difference between China and America AI. Like, I'm sure the countries kind of implement them for different reasons. Mm -hmm. But yeah, you can tell me more, please, because... I don't know what you're trying to get at. No, I think you've heard about like little pieces of China, like pushing a lot of AI, right? Like there's rumors saying that Python is going to be a standard, what is it called? Their university entrance exam, like Oh, I didn't hear about that. I honestly thought AI was being pushed worldwide. So that's why Mm -hmm. I was like confused. Yeah. I don't think Canada's doing that great. No. No surprise. We're always on the like slower side innovation wise though. Yeah, we just give people lumber and oil. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> um, so anyway, okay. So I used two examples in my research. I looked at Facebook and I looked at Tencent as companies. Facebook is really, really starting to become an AI focused company. And what I mean by that is like, you know, the product used to be the social media site. Like the product used to be getting users on their site and mm-hmm. they introduced like monetization afterwards and it was just all about right you know, social media mm-hmm. um now they they have like a new thing called seer s-e-e-r Ooh, which i remember is, this from yeah. proofreading your paper wow thank you <laughs> it's entirely an ai that is like self-supervised learning like it continues to learn uh-huh. by itself mm-hmm. and they've already like gotten 84.2 percent accuracy which is a lot by the Whoa. way just from testing data mm-hmm. and this sounds creepy but what they're doing is they're taking every single publicly available photo on Instagram oh. and they're using it in their testing, which I think privacy. You know, <laughs> yeah, I know. But if like I think even from the beginning of Instagram, we knew that Instagram owned our photos yeah, yeah, as yeah. soon as you post it. So like that's where it comes into if Facebook buys more social media sites, they have more access to our data mm-hmm. and they kind of use this specific AI to I guess they're trying to get better at image recognition and they are getting rapidly, rapidly Mm -hmm. stronger, right? So they kind of see this more as expanding into areas like, you know, research in the field or like medical imaging even and like how quickly they can identify things in images. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So on the other side, Tencent is also like, (laughs) so Chinese companies have slogans for everything, right, Connie? yes like in china you know how like if you drive around the streets there's always like red words on buildings oh that's what you mean (laughs) yeah Yeah. like if you watched american factory you know it's culture shock for like the american factory workers to see like that a company had an anthem and like Mm -hmm. a motto so tencent one of their slogans is ai in all Wow. Yeah. And then they like built this lab in Shenzhen, China. And then they also built one in Seattle. And for their first lab in China, their vision was 
make AI everywhere, you know? Like, <laughs> okay, Tencent genuinely scares me just because they do absolutely <laughs> everything. Like, we brought them up in the social media episode, obviously, like with WeChat. Then we brought them up in um, our yeah. gaming episode because, you know, they own pretty much all the big games. <laughs> You're hitting and it now spot on, AI. Too. Yeah. Wow. So, like, they clearly don't shy away from stating that AI is their, like, one of their many focuses in the future. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And... Um, you're you're basically hitting a spot on because they are looking into the healthcare industry first, kind of like Facebook and a what? lot of They're AI companies. Also doing healthcare. Yeah. So, so WeChat actually has thirty eight thousand medical institutions on their platform that Whoa. have online booking features, and then two thousand hospitals in China accept WeChat Pay. Right. So yeah. if you think about that, they get a lot of data on like people's medical like uh interactions and behaviors Mm -hmm. that's also kind of (laughs) creepy so yeah so like they've been able to use that to like kind of start a lot of research and they've also been investing in like ai platforms that help with diagnostics diagnosis Mm -hmm. and um you know analyzing records for doctors but um they've gone further into a company that they invested in called iCarbonX, and this company develops digital models of people for like the future of personalized medicine like human body models with internal organs and everything good question i don't have the answer to that (laughs) i don't know if i sound really dumb right now no no i also didn't i also wasn't super clear on that um i'll look into the article again and we'll clarify it maybe like in the blog post or something but um actually i'm pretty sure it would be a visual model that makes most sense right Mm -hmm. um to see like how everything interacts with each other, which would actually be very useful. That sounds so cool. Yeah. We're really like obtaining, like when I was younger or when we were younger, mm-hmm. we'd watch all those futuristic films or like hear about robots taking over. And it's crazy that at like 23 years old for you, Jenny, and 25 years old for me, we're pretty much there. Yeah, We're just missing the holograms coming out of our phones, you know? Exactly. It's coming. It's kind of creepy. (laughs) It's also like they just, they're doing it all behind the scenes, right? And it just looks less sexy than it did on, like, in movies. Like, Mm -hmm. there's not holograms, but there are, like, you know, computer-generated models. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Yeah. And I think what's interesting about Tencent, or what about, like, just about Chinese culture and Asian culture in general, is that they can really push a message forward and get the whole population like heated about it, right? Uh-huh. So if you actually look at Tencent as a company, they are by far more diversified than Google and Facebook. Uh, what do you mean by diversified? Like investing in all sorts of industries, oh, areas. Oh, I like, see, I see. And Google is like very diversified. So I was really shocked mm-hmm. to read that. But I think it's because Tencent is able to like, you know, their slogans, AI for all or like all that stuff. Mm-hmm. It's like drilled into their employees' brains and they're looking for those advantages. And that's why they're yeah. like growing so quickly, right? Mm-hmm. It's kind of scary, but it's kind they're of They're a monster. Cool. Yeah. But like, yeah, in a good way in certain ways. <laughs> it's good to have like more competition in the mix, I guess. But um, I guess Google and Facebook aren't even competing in China, so. Uh-huh. Everyone's so isolated. Like Tencent <laughs> is isolated from Google and Facebook. Yeah. But yeah. So this brings me to my favorite part of my paper, which is what inspired this whole paper. And it is the rise of TikTok. TikTok inspired your whole paper? (laughs) (laughs) It's so interesting to me. Like 
how did they make you know such an addictive application i'll answer that question but i just like yes please i want to know interested like Mm -hmm. this statistic freaked me out so basically there are 689 million monthly active users on tiktok and they started in 2016 so it took them like facebook took 33 percent longer and Instagram took a hundred percent longer to reach these numbers, and hundred percent longer. Yeah, and it doesn't like it doesn't include the six hundred million daily users on Douyin either. So, so. it's just insane. <laughs> Wait, and I think I heard or like I remember reading in your paper that TikTok also does a good job like retaining yes, these active exactly. users. So yeah. For people who don't know, TikTok is owned by ByteDance, which is a Chinese company. And then they kind of like entered the US by buying or merging with Musical.ly, which Ew. we did not use, but... That was kind of cringy. <laughs> a little bit. Um, but yeah, so right now, like they're huge in like so many countries. I won't list them off, but um, Connie was kind of playing at how user engagement in TikTok is... 90% of all their users worldwide access the application on a daily basis. basis? Holy <laughs> crap! I mean, I'm part of that. I think I've used TikTok continuously every day since I downloaded it in the beginning of quarantine. Mm-hmm. Like, I haven't missed a day. It's Isn't a crazy, crazy stat because if you think about it, like, you know, when you go on Facebook, sometimes it's for the groups they've created, like the people you have to talk to. But Mm -hmm. a lot of like us, I guess more adult users for TikTok, we go on just to mess around and watch our own videos for like no purpose. It's wild. Yep. I just think like TikTok in general, because they're such short videos and so catered to you, it feels like the most brainless thing you can do. Like you don't even have to think and like the perfect content is just presented to you on a silver platter kind of thing. Like on YouTube, you kind of have to scroll through your feed and like you're not feeling a lot of the videos. You still have to like think about it. Exactly. And like Instagram, it's like you, you look at whatever, whoever you're following and what they're posting. But like TikTok doesn't even like show you your following page first. It shows you the for you page. So you literally don't have to put in any effort to be entertained. Yeah. And you just like drew that sentence into like, that's how it kind of transitioned into my passage about what's special about TikTok, right? Because mm-hmm. um, their UI is part of that, like their interface that you're scrolling on. They made right. it like a full screen. There's nowhere else to go. You're just watching videos like most of the mm-hmm. time, right? Oh, you're and, right. Yeah. Um, what that does is like, that means TikTok knows. Do you guys hear geese in the background of my audio? No. Sorry, that was so Canadian. Um, (laughs) There's like a bunch of geese right now. Anyway, (laughs) so they take any interaction on your screen, basically, because the whole thing is your video. And they can can 100% say that it determines your interest in the video you're watching right now. Because you can't possibly be distracted by anything else. Yeah. Right? Oh my god, I never thought of it like that. Yeah. So like, how long are you watching the video for? Are you pressing the heart on the side? Are you opening the comments? Are you sharing it with your friends? Um, are you bookmarking it? It's like, those are like the key interactions. And they're all like, basically the, the fastest things you can do on the screen. I feel a little bit violated, but also not in a bad way because mm-hmm. it keeps the content coming. Yeah, <laughs> it's true. And it's different from like, YouTube and Amazon, right? Because in YouTube and Amazon, you kind of have the choice to mm-hmm. look at something but in tiktok they just give it to you like you keep scrolling yeah. and if you f- scroll faster then the ai can automatically be like oh they didn't enjoy that one 
instead of YouTube just trying to pick out the ones you do click on, right? Yeah. It's very different. Mm -hmm. And we talked about this a bit, how Facebook and like most other social medias do recommendations or what they call build recommenders um, based on your friends' activities. Okay. So like if your friends like BTS, you might like BTS, like that stuff. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, I'm that friend. <laughs> but TikTok is a very unique one that looks at your activity. And a lot of it is based on your activity in a very creepy way, I will say. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. <laughs> um, Why is it that Facebook makes me feel more violated than TikTok? I know. Because TikTok does it so well. And like, I'm okay with it because they haven't like hurt me with it, right? Yeah, true. Yeah. So basically on the creator side, I've never made TikTok videos really, but like they can recommend like edits and like hashtags and like music that fit your video just by like guessing the type of video you're filming, Mm -hmm. which is weird. Um, And it goes into how like ByteDance has like this other news app that uh-huh. has developed the capability of writing like 400 word news articles in two seconds using AI. Wow. So like they're starting to learn how to create content, you know? Uh-huh. Yeah. So that's kind of creepy. But I think we're more interested in the consumption side because okay. judging by our audience demographics, I don't think there's a ton of people who would be making videos that often. I don't know. That's true. I mean, I can think of a few friends that are starting to become TikTokers. <laughs> Uh, I'm rooting for you. <laughs> wow. So how does TikTok work? There's three main components to their AI. And I'm going to try to explain this in plain English because I'm also not an AI expert. Um, mm-hmm. The first one is they tag the content. So you look for keywords, things that can label your video or the video you're posting, the video you're watching, right? Um, mm-hmm. That's the first step. The second one is they create user profiles. So that's the one where they look at you unique as a person. And then they also create user scenarios. And I'll come back to that later. Mm -hmm. And then the third one is where they start training their AI model. And then like they use it in turn to as a recommendation algorithm in the background when you're scrolling. So basically, I think the scary part to talk about here is that, at least to me as a user, is the user profile and the user scenario. Okay. Because... What the user scenario actually means is that first they can look at what what you prefer. So for example, they'll know Connie and I are relatively left in the political wing, right? Mm -hmm. Surprise, surprise to no one because of the way we talk about issues in our (laughs) podcast. But they'll also like they'll also know that, you know, that we look at K-pop content or we look Mm at um, feminist content, you know, all those things. And (laughs) my TikTok is almost entirely animals, like, for example. (laughs) But, yeah, that's very fitting for so you. So that's yeah. So that's a unique user profile where they'll like um, use that tagged content to match videos with you, and then <laughs> the user scenarios is where it gets weird because they look for like four general places. Like correlation is one. So um, tags, keyword sources, like that kind of thing. Like right. you know, that's pretty basic. But then they look <laughs> at a user scale, which is where are you right now and what are you uh-huh. doing. So like. Maybe Connie likes to watch peaceful videos when she's stressfully commuting on a subway to work. Mm-hmm. And then maybe when she gets home from work at in the evenings, she prefers to watch funny videos to re, like unwind. Wait, so they cater it to the time you're watching? And your location. That's why some people have said- Oh my god, yeah. Jenny, I literally used to always get sad single TikToks at night. And I'm like, why do you want to amplify my Hey, you told like them this? to do that for you. <laughs> oh my god, I'm so humiliated. 
<laughs> That's so funny. Oh my god, that's so funny. Yikes. And that's funny because I would thought the geographic, because some people say when you sit next to your friends for a while, your TikToks start becoming the same. Yeah. And I don't get I those. Think like, so. <laughs> I remember for a while our TikToks became Yeah, but I don't similar. get sad single TikToks. I'm a happy single. So the third scenario they look into is trends. So like what's, you know, like what's popular on TikTok obviously Mm -hmm. um and then the final one is collaboration so they actually take your profile and they like do what's called clustering in the ai world and they just match you with a bunch of similar users and see what you're enjoying so kind of like what facebook would do or like things like that so i see yeah can i like provide a little bit of input so like i'm thinking back to like when you were talking about advertising Mm -hmm. and i was just thinking about how good tiktok strategy is because i don't know about you because they put in like their ads like in between tiktoks like randomly Mm -hmm. and i find myself like unconsciously watching a lot of them not even realizing it's an ad until like i know it's a little symbol that it's an ad yeah so like it's such a like good way of doing it like with youtube ads you always know when it's coming up and like it's super obvious it's not the video (laughs) you were planning on watching but like for tiktok it's so low-key sometimes they even choose the ones like they know you like a certain TikTok or whatever, and it'll be them doing the ad, and you'll just think it's another one of their TikToks. Yeah, they're really good at that. And it's probably mm-hmm. because, like, the companies have also started getting better at knowing how to make something that looks like a TikTok. Yeah, it looks exactly like another TikTok. Yeah. <laughs> good point. Really creepy. Yeah. <laughs> um, a final, like, point that gets a little more complex, I won't go into it that deeply, right, is mm-hmm. that they have real-time training for their algorithm so like i won't use the technology name but basically like there's the cloud right um yeah and you can upload like samples of your data as you're using it into that cloud and then tiktok just takes it back and retrains their ai that is like trying to identify who you are and what you like so Mm -hmm. it's always refreshing on like what you prefer and it also does the same for what content people are posting. So right. the the interesting thing about this live feeding is one, your experience is better, which is how they keep that 90% engagement on a daily mm-hmm. basis. But also like, I think you've noticed this too, um, TikTok has created a really good opportunity for any creator to come on the platform because they're yeah. always refreshing their AI. So there's always room to feature more new creators. Mm-hmm. Isn't it a thing where, like, as long as you post a TikTok, they will show it to, like, a certain amount of people for sure? Yeah. And then, depending on how it does, they, like, keep expanding the amount of people that see it? Exactly. I think someone has once told me, like, I knew someone who was posting a TikTok, and they said you had to get, like, 50 likes in the first hour, and you might have potential or something. Ooh. But then it's about also how well they're taking your video and, how, like, if they're sending it to mm-hmm. the right people, right? That's so, true. Like, I, I think it's really interesting because, you know, like, how YouTube is kind of the opposite of that in my opinion it's so oversaturated with creators and they still only show you like i don't know zoella yeah. it's just a post i have no idea i'm sorry <laughs> i don't follow her but you know what i mean like they'll always show you that original like those key like five top youtubers of the year or something and it'll mm-hmm. just come back again and again and then yeah. occasionally someone will get lucky and hack the algorithm mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, that's basically all I had for TikTok. It's really interesting how they've completely taken over the industry. Um, mm-hmm. It's probably the most successful Chinese thing yet in America. Yep. Or that's a broad statement. Made in China is the yeah. most successful thing in America. <laughs> but-
but like the impression has on the younger generation i'd say it's kind of less attached to the negative connotations certain yeah. chinese products have yeah. so that's a good thing agreed so the last thing i want to touch on quickly is the ethical dilemmas here uh yes yeah there's a lot of problems right the first one we all know is the filter bubble mm. there's like a significant overestimation of who shares our perspectives and like we decrease our empathy levels with people who have disagreeing opinions and it actually like can distract us from the important conversations we need to have we kind of like as a population manipulate each other into looking at things that aren't really the most important topics of society yeah that's true yeah so that's really thinking about it and it's like i get those tiktoks of people like reacting or responding to like Trump supporters, let's say. It's like, holy crap, there's a whole side of TikTok where it's just Trump supporters. Mm-hmm. And I don't see any of it. Yeah, and that's why, like, it, it goes back even beyond TikTok to, like, remember in 2016 when none of the Democrats voted because they thought everyone was going to vote for Hillary? Yeah. And then it didn't happen that way because they didn't see the Trump voters on their mm-hmm. social media, which is, Social like, media is just like that in general. Yeah. It's not just a TikTok problem. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And this is like, we're talking about general ethical problems, I think, within AI as a whole, AI and social media. Um, So -hmm. that's one. The second one I kind of thought was interesting, and this is like probably the most dangerous statement I've made on our podcast, um, is around politics and government intervention. Oh, I see. Right. So I think a lot of countries, and we'll get into this in later episodes maybe, like to use, you know, freedom, human rights, all those different things to pass like certain legislations under public approval Um, okay that's for sure happening yes (laughs) but then i think that ai and like what we call big data right which is lots and lots of data and data ownership are some of the biggest top but biggest reasons what why they're doing this like they kind of like of course like human rights is important and it is a factor but i think Mm -hmm. that the countries want to own as much data as they can so you get into this wow, weird point. Wow, that's a hot take. <laughs> I don't think it's a hot take. I think people are just uncomfortable to hear it. Okay. Um, <laughs> You're a brave one. That's all I want to say. <laughs> <laughs> no, I wrote about this too. Like basically like uh, we all know. So actually we don't all know. But if you didn't know, India and China are at war right now. Oh, um, yeah. Over yeah. like border disputes. Mm-hmm. And because of that, since 2020, India has placed a ban on TikTok, WeChat, and Weibo. Yeah. Which are the three largest platforms there. And then... I think we all remember, too, when near the end of Trump's term, he also considered banning TikTok over technology and security Mm -hmm. problems. But like we can all also be a judge of like how, you know, the U.S. is probably in a better position if Facebook and Google owned most of their population's data because then they would have more like, you know, they'd have more control over it and like they'd be able to get more value out of it, Mm -hmm. obviously. Like, why would you want China to have more data on your citizens? Yeah. Right. Wow. So it all makes sense. And like China's obviously like a country that has a lot of restrictions too on what social media platforms can come uh-huh. in. Yeah, so for sure. everyone's guilty of this. But it's it's a weird area where like no one they kind of play with it. Yeah, they play with us like as the users and they like pretend they're doing us good, but they're kind of just trying to own our data. Mm-hmm. Isn't so. that what that Netflix documentary was about too? Yeah, exactly. I forget what it's called. The social, social dilemma. dilemma. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> we both got it. Um, Yeah. So then the last one I talked about is a lot of companies have problems with um, young people on social media. So like TikTok, for example, was fined some money because they were collecting data on people 
under 13, like the age of 13, without parental consent, right? Mm -hmm. And that's something that social media sites have to be so careful about. Facebook is also always making mistakes. Like, what? Yeah. (laughs) Sorry. I don't understand Facebook. Um, (laughs) They're, like, super bad at, like, managing things most of the time. Like, they've promoted genocides before, Mm -hmm. you know, like, they participate in employment discrimination and, like, election interference, Mm -hmm. all those things. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And their excuse every time, and this is like well known, their excuse every time is he said AI will fix this. I remember. And that's a very dangerous thing to say. Like that's so dangerous because if you don't use AI right, it's not going to fix anything. Like you have to find the core problem, right? Mm -hmm. So yeah, young people are spending like way too much time on social media and there is potential still in AI to help determine, actually, this is interesting, determine which parts of social media are addictive and if companies use that correctly, they can actually minimize the addiction of their platforms, which is something that a lot of people are looking towards. Mm -hmm. So there is still like, you know, there is still the light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah, there's still hope Um, and people are trying to change things for the better. Yeah, I guess not everyone in the industry is trying to manipulate us. I guess not. That was my very condensed version and very scattered version, but I'm done talking. Wow, that ended on a pretty optimistic note. So (laughs) I'll accept that. That was so cool to hear. I've never heard you like so passionately talk about something. I know that your passions lie elsewhere, but I don't know. You're really into it. Well, I have to write another term paper (laughs) and I am going to (laughs) die. Good luck. Everyone say stay strong, Jenny. (laughs) All right. What's your recommendation? Your turn to talk. Okay. I'll make this quick because this episode is so long, but I think I want to recommend an anime this time around and... I just recently started watching some anime, so like, you know, not a weeb just yet, at least. (laughs) And so like, this anime is very mainstream, I'd say. And I guess this recommendation is more for people who are unfamiliar with anime. So Jenny and I watched The Promised Neverland together, and I think it's like a really good gateway anime to start with. I don't know if Mm -hmm. you agree, Jenny, but it's like very plot driven there's a lot of character development it's about um a group of children who live at an orphanage and for reasons i don't want to like give away they try to escape and a lot of these children are like really gifted and really smart and there's just like a lot of twists because of the way they plan things and the way things Mm -hmm. turn out so really exciting and just like really engaging anime to watch i agree it was definitely a fun one to watch Mm mm-hmm Good recommendation. Thank you. It's also on Netflix. Yeah, so. very easy for you guys to watch. Oh, and I'd like to specify this is only season one that I watch. I, know, I think there's like season two now, so I can't really say whether that's good or not. <laughs> True. Always a struggle. Uh-huh. Okay. Well, I guess that's our episode. Yeah. Back to our longer episodes, aren't we? <laughs> oh, God. Right back from the break, too. <laughs> okay. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, everyone. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoyed our discussion on this week's topic. To hear more, you can subscribe to The Bicultural Identity on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. While you're at it, we'd also greatly appreciate any reviews on iTunes or simply sharing our podcast with your family and friends. But of course, no pressure. As well, any opinions and experiences discussed are solely based on our own experiences as second gens. We invite you to engage with us on our Instagram, at The Bicultural Identity, where you can also find the link to our website with our show notes. Thanks again for listening and be sure to tune in next Monday for our next episode. See you then!